When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Today on the Family Brain, I'll be talking with Lorraine Gaunt, creator and director of It's Okay to Be Different. It's Okay to Be Different is a program that Lorraine developed after years of being in the education system. She noticed that we weren't talking about difference, and by not talking about it, we were creating a sense of fear around difference. So she's passionate about talking to kids about celebrating differences, and she noticed that even when you talk to kids about differences and celebrating differences, oftentimes they will bring this message home to their parents and grandparents. So she is passionate about teaching kids respect and empathy, and she is very knowledgeable about what developmental levels are appropriate at different ages in terms of what you introduce to kids. I think she just has so much great information, and I hope after listening to this episode, you will want to bring her work to your school. I think she's been doing this for almost 40 years, and this is something that is a hot topic right now. We talk about bullying and we talk about wanting to teach kids empathy, but we don't have a lot of systems in place or or frameworks for how to do that. And Lorraine, through many, many years of being in the classroom, has created a framework that to me makes a lot of sense. Tell me a little bit about just how you came to be doing this kind of work. Maybe tell me a little bit about it's okay to be different and um, and then maybe how you came into this. Okay. Um, it's probably easier to start with um, how I and why I started it and then how it grew, if that's okay. Sure. To go that way. Of course. Um, actually, my children were in elementary school locally and um, I was on the board of ed and I have a special education background but um, I just got into a conversation with a curriculum director 
about how I was concerned that people would not engage with, in this case, it started with disabilities, but of course it's the same thing with any differences. But, um, you know, people m might be taught like I was to smile and be nice, but walk away and not get involved in getting to know someone who's different. And so that conversation led to talking to a couple other people and over the summer that year we developed the curriculum first for understanding disabilities and getting to know the empathy part, getting to know people with a disability. Um, but, but first by introducing through literature, then having hands-on activities where the kids would experience, for instance, um, if they, we were talking about blindness, they would have activities where they were blindfolded and feel like what it might be like, even if it's only for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and then followed by a speaker who is blind, who would, comes in to talk to the kids about all that he or she can do, but happen, you know, happens to be blind. And, and nowadays, to all the technology in that case. So we started with one second grade, and just because we weren't sure how it would be accepted. And also, it was written as a collaborative, so that teachers and parents would do it together. Okay. So was there any resistance could, from the community or fear? It seems like anytime um, there's something new, people, what is right. this? What's going on? I've certainly received that over the years, depending on the topic. Um, I think, you know, it helped, I guess, that being on the Board of Ed and knowing a lot of the teachers and um, administrators, it helped them know where I was coming from. Okay. So in that case, um, I think that's why we decided with one second grade and a teacher that who was really interested in doing it. And um, so to answer your question, I don't, we really didn't get any resistance. In fact, then we opened it up to, there was, there were four second grades at that point because wow. we got the feedback that how come my kids aren't getting. Oh, so right, right. And this started <laughs> in, you're in New Jersey primarily right now. Is that correct? Right. Right. So that was, um, that was, you know, 30 eight years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Gosh, you've been doing it. this a long time. Yes. That's amazing. I did it, you know, primarily as a teacher and a parent. And then when I, I retired maybe two or three times now, okay. each time, um, then, you know, I would um, develop another aspect of the curriculum. And then um, somebody wanted to buy it, so it became more of a business, and then I updated it two years ago, so that because the literature's changed and all the technology, and of course you want it to be current. Well, so. and I think it's you were pretty ahead of your time in this respect, I would think, <laughs> right? Because I mean, I feel like now people are are sort of saying, well, we should probably teach kids empathy. You know what I mean? And yes, and and, yes, and now there is research, but um, right. but it, right. I don't think forty years ago there was that, right? No, I think it just, um, I, it's just something that resonated in me as, as teacher, parent, and also socially. Um, 
even though I didn't do racial differences in the beginning, I would just get upset with people not understanding that, you know, and basically we're all the same. And, um, and I just found, I get frustrated with adults. So I knew that children, children are so open. They ask the questions that adults won't ask and they move on after it's the questions answered. So the success with working, you know, with the first program led me to, then when I went back to teaching full time, the principal where I taught really wanted me to implement it there. And then parents encouraged me to write the other, uh, to continue writing so that the kids would go through the elementary school having, um, at that point, three of the programs. So we, we moved to cultural differences, same format, year long also. And then um, I was able to receive a fellowship. So I wrote uh, one um, for fifth graders called Courage to Care. And that was really learning how to stand up for yourself and just discrimination and learning through history people who had the courage to fight for rights of other people when it wasn't necessarily their cause, civil rights, Holocaust, that type of thing. So that's what I was looking on your website. And so I'll just kind of list the programs here. So that you start off with building friendships for preschool and kindergarten, and then understanding disabilities for first and second grade, celebrating cultures for third and fourth grade, courage to care for fifth to eighth, and then embracing the LGBT community six to eighth. So I love how you sort of take these developmental capabilities and build on them. You know, you're not throwing everything at the preschool kids, you know, that where, where they oh, can't right. take it all in. And I love no, that this no. is, um, can you talk a little bit about how you decided, you know, at what age kids are capable of processing these things? Well, it's been a um, process to tell you the truth and with my teaching experience and, um, you know, I didn't start, I started out with the disabilities and then actually now that's too, we have to change that on the website. We did understanding disabilities and then we do respect for different learners. And so I added autism and, um, that may be on the website, but, um, anyway, so, so I developed the three first, then when I was hired to work in a preschool and the director um, teaching my program, which was great. I wasn't teaching and then doing the program as well. So the director asked me to develop something about anti-bullying at the time. And um, so I was writing it while I was teaching. And um, I realized, too, that the emphasis needed to be on friendship and not the bullying yeah. and so that that really worked well it was the same message all the programs are the same message you know respect for differences learning to meet people you know if, if you make judgments you may be missing out on a good friend and again the literature now for kids is just incredible there's a lot of good books I think you even posted something about the book one yes Catherine Otoshi. Otoshi. Yeah, that's one of my favorite books. But years ago, you know, we didn't have that literature. Um, You know, so it was more difficult. But anyway, so um, 
we developed the um, building friendships and again be a buddy, not a bully, and really introduced the bullying part at the end of the year. And also even thinking about the bully, why the bully might be acting that way. So what so, was it that made you realize you needed to approach it from being a good friend versus bullying? Were kids more resistant to the bullying message and more open? Like, well, yeah. I can be a good friend. What, what was it? What was happening that made you realize that? I think it was um, more doing the other programs and realizing that um, you want to develop I guess I, I felt that the friendship part and respect for differences was the most important part. And I also think at the time um, there was some concern from the director and a few teachers that the word bullying was overused. And um, so, you know, we wanted to build up to that. Okay. So I think that was our thinking at the time. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm curious, um, what are some of the things that, you know, you're in schools, you're talking to kids, you're talking to families. What would you say are the biggest challenges these days for families? And what are the biggest hurdles you're finding in this work? You know, what are the things that um, that kind of keep you motivated to keep showing up? Because this is really <laughs> a challenge. Okay, <laughs> you're right. It's and. It's amazing that it seems to be more of a challenge, and sometimes I don't know if that's the growth and having a larger program than I when I only had one. Um, but I think it it's on all levels, whether it's parents, teachers, or administrators, and people just not sure whether they want to open up the door and have the conversation. And there's that side of it, but then, like in one of them, I, I in my um, forward, I write, "Thank you for having the conversation," because I do get from parents that thank you because they are afraid to have it at home. So when we open it up at school, then the kids go home and continue the con. The kids are the ambassadors mm. for really the program, and. Um, I mean, just an example with, I mean, if you want examples, but sure. um, I had a little girl, I think she was four at the time, and we were doing the understanding disabilities, and we were talking about the R word and not to use the R word when we're talking with, about someone with Down syndrome. And um, we had the good R for respect and the bad R, and, you know, we led up to, had a conversation, a great book, and... So, you know, the kids were really into it, and um, she went home, and her grandmother was over at the house, and her grandmother used, you know, I'm hesitant, <laughs> she used the R word, mm -hmm. and um, the little girl at four or five said, Grandma, did you know it's not nice to use that word, and it hurts somebody's feelings, and you never know, it could be their sister or their brother, and... Um, so fortunately, the grandmother was great and said, tell me more, I'll tell my friends. And um, so that's the kind of thing, you know, we start the conversation in school and then families can continue it at home in yeah. most cases. But the obstacles will be often, I mean, it could be a book that I choose to read or um, 
again, the topic or, you know, I've had some parents say, I really don't want my child in the class when you read that book or what are you really trying to teach here? And, you know, so there are definitely obstacles, but I've been doing it long enough that I keep going. Right. <laughs> and then I'm surrounded by people who do believe in it and people who help me promote it. What do you think that fear is about in families of, of starting the conversation? I just think it's like we see. Um, that I, I think people feel more comfortable in their own box or their own world, and um, they just don't want to go there because of where it may lead. You know, it may go further and discussion than they want or maybe they have to open their minds to thinking a little differently and maybe they're not ready to right well and it's hard to generations where in that circumstance you were talking about with the grandmother that's not something that was discussed in that generation so the skill set might not be there and so is it something you want to talk about if you don't have the skills to talk about it so i love that you're giving kids the vocabulary to be able to talk about these really complicated issues because if you don't have the vocabulary, you can't really talk about it. Right. Yeah. And the kids, like I say, the kids, um, they have, they, they're so accepting as long as you answer their questions. And that's what we've tried to create in the classroom that, um, it's safe. You know, your reaction is safe. Uh, we read a book called, um, my princess boy and the boy who loves to wear pink. And um, then we had an activity where they chose out of a bag, I couldn't see a, a gender specific toy or outfit. And they were allowed to say, no, I want to play with it. Or yes, I do want to play, you know? Right. So, and then they were also could ask questions and our main thing but that's if if someone doesn't know the curriculum well i can see where you know they may have questions right again what are you what are you leading up to but our whole emphasis in in even a book like that was that again you you make your own choices but we respect other people for the choices they make right I love that. That's it's it's really important to be opening kids and I love what you said about kids being more open to just kind of processing these ideas. One of the things I've noticed with adults is that we're all, myself included, pretty good at like sort of pretending we know what people are talking about when we really don't. Whereas kids are kind of like, I've never heard about this. Tell me more. As adults, we kind of want to cover up like, oh, shoot, this is probably something I should know more about, but I don't. So I'm just going to either avoid it or pretend like I know what people are talking about, <laughs> you know, but kids are learning so much that they're, they're kind of used to being the learner. And as adults, it would be nice if we were sort of more open to being learners. Right. And, <laughs> That's, I guess, you know, behind why I started doing it. And okay. then when I saw how children responded and it, you know, it's, it's better than ever, or maybe just cause I'm doing that many more programs, but I just think that the, the questions the kids ask and, um, you know, are open to. And also the biggest part, and I'm always, um, when I speak to schools, I feel very strongly, even though it's hard work to find a speaker because 
the speaker who comes in and talks about their story is where the empathy is really built. And, you know, for instance, I'll go back to blindness, but the man who speaks who's blind, um, Mr. Washington, he comes in and he plays beat ball, which is a baseball for the blind. He has (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, the kids, you know, they don't know what to expect, the first blind person they've met. And so he comes in as a blind man, but he leaves as Mr. Washington, this cool guy that has technology that tells you whether he has a $5 bill or a $1 bill or, you know, he has a great sense of humor. And so that, to me, is the most important part. But you have to build up to that, too. You just don't have a speaker, you know. The kids have already had the literature and the hands-on and the discussion. So there's a really good movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Delt. It's on Apple TV right now, and it's the um, a documentary about. Um, he's like one of the most famous card magicians, and my kids are actually doing a camp with him right now, and he is blind, oh. and he wasn't always blind, but it is a beautiful story, and my son keeps watching it over and over again, and. Um, it might be a cool thing to share with yeah. um, the class. So he's, it's called Delt, like you deal cards, oh. Delt. Delt. And oh, so okay. he, the, these were the cards he was dealt. Um, and just the progression right. of, and he wasn't always blind, so it's sort of the story of um, how he became, you know, he how he started to adjust to the changes that were happening to him. Um, but he's right. a really, really cool man. Richard Turner is his name. Um, oh, okay. So well, definitely, it's fun to find those resources. Kind of on, you know, um, as Megan did with the recent book, um, anything that comes up, you know, then we pass it on right. to the schools that are doing the programs. Well, and I got excited about your work because I'm part of a nonprofit group called Project Brave, and we started. Yes, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Well, it's neat that. because the things you're doing. I mean, I we basically started this group to try to educate kids about healthy friendships, healthy relationships. And I knew nothing about this. So I start reading and reading. I haven't been doing this for 40 years like you. And um, so I'm reading all this stuff. And then I sort of came to a similar idea that you had a long time ago, which is that teaching it and starting it through literature and through just picture books and just because that's what kids are working on. That's what they understand. That's what is in their classrooms. Um, and it's exciting right. to me to see how many really awesome kids books there are out there. Um, and that Believe me, helped I mean, me to read. I to go to the library or the bookstore. And then they weren't, they weren't the books where, you know, that were positive. Like there might be a book about Joey is blind. But you know, instead now we have Sarah's sleepover and she's blind and she saves the day because the lights go out. You know, so the the, the people in the story are what are the heroes, right? Which is what we're emphasizing. So it's fun. It's um, fun to see how things are changing. You know, I mean, there's still so much to do, but there there is right. a shift, I think, in at least awareness of we need to present kids with different images so that they know this is out there. You know. So are you doing it locally or? We have started locally. Yes, we it's, it's a very new program. And so um, we're currently just distributing books to different um, schools, community centers, oh, okay. things like that. Um, we're going to work on doing a book club. But I would love to learn from you about all the things you've done. I mean, you've been boots on the ground in this situation. And we're just <laughs> just, you know, just showed up to the field. <laughs> so, okay. uh, 
But uh, I, I think it's exciting. And I do. I think that there's so much hope with kids. I think there's so much. That's what's been exciting to me to learn about people like you. And, you know, you turn on the news and you hear all these sad things and the world right. is a mess and, oh, what happened? And then you start to look at all the people that are doing such good things like this, like your program. And it just kind of gives you hope and it gives you a, a vision for the future of, okay, well, things might not be ideal, but what are, what are all these awesome people doing out there to, to change things? And um, so I love and love all the things you're doing. Well, and you too. And I, you know, you just sort the important thing is surrounding yourself with people who believe in what you believe in. I think that's what keeps us going. And um, again, the children, (laughs) children are like sponges, as they say, you know, they really are. Right. With um, whatever, whatever um, the topic is. It's so true. It's, it's exciting. Um, so what it, I know you were talking about the curriculum that you've written. Is it available to other people? How do people access this information if they're interested in it for their school or their community? Okay, well, on the website is Squarespace, which people um, can put in their name and information, and then we get in touch with them. Uh, we were talking about this today um, because it's, it's frankly really hard for me because I am a teacher. And then it became a business in order for me. I had to pay people to um, update it or to help me with the graphics and with the website. And um, so I taught, you know, toying with what do I do next? Do I, at this point, even going nonprofit means hiring somebody to help me do that. So, um, you know, maybe you can help me explore this. But, um, Although a woman today I met with is, I volunteer with her at a local place called Lunch Break, and um, she's just totally interested and has a marketing background, and she she wants to volunteer her time, and she feels that I have to be on social media. I think you might have to be, unfortunately. Although you can get a representative, and I'm I'm honestly not good at that stuff either. Somebody told me I needed to get on social media more, and I was like, oh, why? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I've got, I'm pretty good with Facebook, and I, I haven't put as much on lately, and that's she was saying, but there's something called a buffer now that I think there's some... I have I'm no not idea. Sure that's the term. You're talking to the wrong person. I'm not... <laughs> I don't know about that stuff. Um, <laughs> anyway, she, she said it, it, it's just because, you know, if it's on all of these things, then more people see it and tell other people, but I guess I'm diverting a little bit from your question. No, but you know what? I If so, I can encourage you, I think you have something really important here that needs to be shared. And whatever avenue you have available to share it, I say go for it. Because this is, I mean, you, like I said, you've been doing this for, what, almost 40 years. Yeah. I mean, that's very unusual. That's my, my biggest concern now, honestly, is I, it's it's been my life work. And I have to find a way to keep it going. Because I know it works. Right. You know, I can get discouraged from time to time. Um, but the stories, you know, I've been telling you, I know it's meaningful for the kids and families. So, and it's been years and years of developing. So I just would like some way, and I, I we're beginning to look, how do we get it beyond New Jersey or even our basic community? Right. 
So we're also, I think we limited ourselves to schools. And now we're talking, I was speaking to a rabbi who's very interested in social justice. Um, and so I, I think we have to get out of the school box and get, you know, to maybe wives and libraries and after school programs. Right. Um, because, the, you know, the hierarchy and all the different people involved with schools. Right. And now, schools are under such a pressure for all the testing right. and there's a little yeah. bit more flexibility in the after school programs. Have you heard about Making Caring Common? It's an organization out of the um, Harvard School of Education. And it's this really neat organization that is focusing on bringing caring back to schools. And I uh, am sure that they could run with this. I don't know how or when, but it's it just seems like they have that structure set up for this kind of work. Wow, good. That's good information. And they have a really neat newsletter, too, that I've signed up for. And they just kind of... Um, uh, you know, get together different articles, research, things that are related to bringing caring and friendship and empathy, all the yeah. sort of social emotional learning topics. Um, so it's a, it's a really cool organization. Um, it's Rick Weisberg is the, the head of that organization. Um, but well, I'm excited to learn all the things you're doing. And I, I, I think it's so, so needed. Um, one of the things that I loved looking at your website and just, I hadn't thought about right away is, you know, we're talking about getting kids more open to other people. But one of the quotes that I was reading, um, somebody who had been through the program was talking about recognizing the unique uniqueness in ourselves and sort of like appreciating yes. yourself too, that we're all different. You know, we might not have something that's as obvious as um, being blind or you know, something like that, but that we're all different and that it can help teach kids that self-love. Right. And that it's interesting, too, because um, one of the um, roadblocks that I've had sometimes is the title. It's okay to be different. And that <laughs> I'm emphasizing in the difference rather than the sameness. Again, this is coming from adults. But, right. Um, you know, I go back to just, and the, the literature that I use is usually about, you know, feeling good about yourself, whether it's your name or your, how you look or, you know, um, so you're right that it's a very much part of that. And kids today need that, I think, because um, <laughs> with a lot of the social media as well as this you know, as, as good and open as they are, they also can be really hurtful to other kids. So they need to feel, you know, that self-confidence and stand up for themselves as well. Right. I love that. Well, I'm wondering what, if we don't have this in our communities yet, what would you suggest to people who are just wanting to get this going um, and kind of open these conversations within their own families? What would you suggest? I think starting with the literature, like reading a book that um, has any of the things we're talking about, and then, I mean, as a family anyway, and then having a conversation, not just reading it, but from cover to cover, but talking about, you know, how, even if it's a picture book, you know, how do they look the same? How do they look different? Or, you know, how are they reacting? How are they feeling when somebody teases them? I think the literature, the best way 
I felt strongly about, I guess, as a teacher too, being literature based, but it just opens up the conversation. So that would be, you know, one suggestion if you were starting it. Okay. One of the things we might be able to do is maybe we could get a few of the books that you use in your classrooms and provide a link for that um, in the show notes for the podcast. So if the people want ideas of places to start, maybe we could have a few different suggestions for them. Sure. Great. Um, what is there anything that I have not asked you about that you were kind of hoping I would ask or that you were hoping you would be able to talk about? Um. You know, and I, when I was thinking about it, I, I think we have covered, you know, um, first of all, why I started it and why I continue, and then um, just where I'm hoping to go, you know, and keep to keep it alive um, were the main things that I wanted to talk about. And, okay. I mean, I could go on and on about all the stories with it, <laughs> but... You know, that's my favorite part to know that it works, like I said before. Right. I now I just had a former student find me on Facebook. I have to say I do love Facebook, especially for these kinds of stories. But then she's now in our area, which I didn't know, and has two children, and raised the money to buy the program for oh, her school. I love that. So that was, you know, a very rewarding experience to have. So my grandmother, my grandmother was a teacher in the Elberon school district, and my mom oh. grew up in um, Long Branch. And oh, she did! Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! Yeah, so small world. Yeah, for sure. Well, one. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna finish up by um, one of the things I like to ask people about because it seems like the people I tend to talk to on this podcast are people who are doing sometimes challenging work, you know, things that you're showing up for other people, kind of putting a lot of energy out into the world. And I like to ask people about what kind of self-care do you employ to kind of keep yourself feeling healthy and to make sure you're taking care of yourself while you're doing this challenging work? Wow. Good question. <laughs> I, it's been a tough year because I had shingles and um, my immune system was down. And I realized that, um, I should be doing more walking, uh, which I've started doing and working out. And um, going back to, I think I think I really miss the teaching part for many reasons because I'm still going into schools and I work at the um, or I volunteer at our local daycare center where they're doing my program, but I go in and read. So I'm going back to what makes me really happy, and that's being around kids. And so I would say that, that, you know, the exercise and doing more things that I love to do. Uh, when I was rewriting, I, that's when I stopped teaching because I knew I had to devote to all these programs and rewriting. And I was not that happy because I was in my house in the office right. and not interacting with people. So I'm a very social person. So important to me so that's why I do lunch break which is um, we have a clothing closet the clients come in for a meal and then they get to come and pick out clothes so um, I also like fashion so. Cool. <laughs> um, so I've just gotten into more volunteering and 
being around people and that that keeps it keeps me um, healthy <laughs> I love that well and it's fun so for me to ask question though nobody's asked that thank you for asking cause... sure well and what's fun for me is one to hear how different people's answers are because everybody's different and what restores us can be different things and then, too, if people haven't been doing it, kind of reminding them, you're doing all this good stuff. Don't forget to take care of yourself because I think that's what, you know, caretakers can tend to do. Um, right. But, well, I have loved talking to you. Thank you so oh, much for sharing. All... I was. <laughs> oh, I think you did great. I mean, and it's it's fun just to have a conversation. And um, I love that you shared all the things that you're working on because it's really important work. hope you guys enjoyed listening to Lorraine talk about it's okay to be different as much as I enjoyed talking to her and learning from her. I wanted to let you know that she has a website, it's okay to be different.org. And on there, you can fill in your information and they will talk to you about learning more about the program and possibly bringing this program to your school. I hope you share this episode with teacher friends, parent friends, grandparent friends, and anybody who's interested in helping kids and families and people celebrate differences, because we really are all different. And the more we can celebrate that, the more we can probably celebrate it in our own hearts and minds as well. So I hope you share this episode. I also wanted to let you know that I have a social media presence on Facebook. There's a Family Brain group. I would love for you to join the group so I can hear more from you about what you are enjoying about the podcast or what you might like to hear more about. I am always interested in getting new ideas. I know what catches my eye, but I also want to know what's going on with you and your families and what you are interested in learning more about. I also have an Instagram account, Family Brain Podcast, and I hope you check that out as well. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.